everyone, Roberta here today. I am so just beyond excited for you to hear today's episode. It is on a topic that I have been geeking out on um, for quite a few years. And what's so funny is um, both Morgan and I were introduced to today's topic by the very same lady. Um, And so you'll hear about that in the episode. But I thought that was so interesting. And I mean, what a coincidence. So we connected instantly. And I just, it was so amazing to chat with her. It was really informative. All of you teachers are going to gain so much insight from today's episode. And knowing that there's still so much to talk about, um, we already asked Morgan back. So Um, Hopefully uh, next month, I believe, we will have her back and talk more about um, today's topic, specifically with um, teachers in mind. So I'm just really excited. I cannot wait to hear your feedback from this episode. I just know it's going to change your life. And if you haven't already heard of the Enneagram, it's a mouthful. But it is a tool that is beyond helpful in understanding yourself and understanding the world in a different way. And I think one of the biggest things for me is it's given me more empathy for other people and understanding that the way that I think isn't the way that other people think. Um, And I think that's helpful because I'm an Enneagram 6 and they tend to be warriors. Warriors. And it's made me realize like, oh, you mean... Not everyone else is planning an exit strategy when they're in a room looking for the emergency exits and making sure there's a plan if X, Y, and Z happens. Like, that's not everybody. What? Um, So maybe you can relate to that. I'm just really excited for you to listen to everything Morgan has to say. Morgan is a teacher. She's been a teacher for over six years and she learned about the Enneagram and just like me, she geeked out. She went down the rabbit hole. She learned everything she possibly could and has brought the Enneagram into the classroom. And how can we use the Enneagram as teachers to improve our teaching and um, improve our relationship with other people? Um, Administrators, how can they use the Enneagram to be better administrators? And it's just it's going to be so amazing. I'm so excited for you to hear this. You can tell how excited Morgan is to talk about the Enneagram. And so she has some different programs that she'll talk about at the end. And uh, she has something brand new in the works that I'm really, really excited about. And I hope you are, too. So come listen and learn more about this fun and amazing tool called the Enneagram and see how it can help you, too. So Morgan, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you here. We would love uh, to start off with just having you tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into teaching, and maybe what you're currently teaching, um, and then we'll get into the topic today. Yeah, totally. So um, I am a six-year teacher. I have always wanted to be a teacher. Like, my sister is two years younger than me, um, but, like, for Christmas, Santa always brought us, um, like, whiteboards or an overhead projector (laughs) or, like, literally ridiculous. My parents, I don't understand them, but I've always wanted to be a teaching coach. and so I right out of the gate in college, I did that. Um, I got my degree in special education, but I didn't start there. My husband was in the military, so we did a lot of moving. Um, and so honestly, at the beginning, with, because I lacked experience, I just took what I could get. And the first year, I ended up in sixth grade science. Um, knew real quick I did not like that. 
that was not my that was not my jam. Um, mm-hmm. Second year, I was at a Title One school, and uh, with some funding that they had, they kind of started to dabble in the co-teach model, but didn't really know what it was called at the time. Um, during that year, that's when Hurricane Michael happened. We were in Florida, and so that year was cut in half. Um, and I moved uh, again. And sure. I picked up an ELA position and I freaking fell in love. And so I've been teaching ELA since then. It's going on four years now, four and a half. Um, so I currently co-teach ELA. So I'm the uh, special education teacher in the classroom for that. So. Awesome. And you said seventh and eighth grade? Seventh and eighth grade. Seventh yep. Eighth grade. Uh, middle school is my sweet spot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So today we're going to chat about the Enneagram and um, how that can kind of be used in the classroom. But um, to start off, can you, in case no one's heard of the Enneagram, um, can you explain what in the world that is? Yeah, yeah. So I, I like to tell people it's a word that has way too many vowels. Like, I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I don't right. know why. But um, yeah, so it's basically just an ancient typology personality system. Um, that's unlike any other system out there, you know, whether you're into um like your signs or the color system or whatever, like this one is, the Enneagram is so different um, because it is like fluid and complex because it it matches, it mirrors like what we are as humans, uh, takes into consideration like our good days, our bad days, um, things that stress us out, things that make us happy, socioeconomic status, childhood traumas. So it's really fluid in how we are not the same all day, every day for every situation, um, which I think is super cool there are nine numbers on the Enneagram and it's this weird looking shape. Um, it's got like a hexad and a triangle. Uh, I didn't even know what a hexad was. And so right. I had to learn about that. <laughs> um, but there's nine numbers. And so you're dominantly or primarily one Enneagram number. So you resonate more with that numbers, like core fear, core emotion, core values. Um, but the goal of the Enneagram ultimately is to be a little bit of every number. So, you know, learning about yourself is a great place to start, but also learning about all the other numbers so that way you can be like healthy and balanced. Um, it's kind of like the end goal. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk about just for a second, like how would someone figure out what their number is, what, what their type would be? So I think having a, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest, like when I started, I had no idea what it was. I heard it on a podcast with Jen Hatmaker. Um, Cause I listened to that's her. That's where I got, that's where no I was way. introduced to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I ate it, that up. Me too. I was like trying to get my hands on everything. Yeah. She's so great. And she makes oh, me went laugh. I down a rabbit hole. I went and researched every single person she interviewed yes, and just yes. went down quite the rabbit hole me too and yeah. then I read like every book of every person she mentioned mm-hmm. I was like yeah. stalking her piece. yeah <laughs> yeah that's so funny we both got in there funny. so I when I first started um I like wanted to know what I was first and so I took I just looked up free tests and I think at the time the Enneagram Institute had a free test because I remember it being like super long but anyway so mm-hmm. I took a ton of free tests and when I would read the description of it afterwards, I would get so mad because I'm a nine, I'm a peacemaker, and I really wanted to be a three. Sure. But every like, I probably took like five of them, and I was never a three. And I was like, well, crap, like, I guess this is me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, okay, well, let me start reading about it. Because I was on a, I had just had like, I was pregnant with my third kid in three and a half years, super short time frame. Like, I was on a self-discovery quest. It was the middle sure. of a pandemic. Like, it was rough. 
Um, and so yeah. I, I just started listening to like all these podcasts and stuff, like learning about nine. The art of growth is fantastic. If you haven't gotten to your whole, a hold of that one. No, and I haven't. Um, yeah, super good. The art of growth, uh, Jim, I don't even want to mess it up. Jim and Joel. That's all I know. I don't want to okay. mess up their last name, but, um, yeah. And so I listened to all their, they do panels, which I think is really cool. Mm. So they would take, you know, anywhere from four to eight people uh, of nines of whatever number, and they would just have the same topic, but each one would have their own episode. And so as I listened to nine, it was like, it, it turned me off. Like I didn't want a part of it. I did not like it. Um, so I would suggest that someone is like, start with maybe just taking that free test to kind of figure out where you land. Um, but not just settling, like say, oh, well, the five was my highest number. So I must be a five. Like I would take it a step further and go to Google because they do have free resources and plenty of them, um, mm-hmm. for find my Instagram page, shameless plug. Um, and, and basically just read like the core values and the core fears and different descriptions of that number from a different, a few different sources to see if they resonate with it. And I like to tell people, if that's not you majority of the time, then that's not, then that's not you. Like no one knows you better than you. Um, so free test, checking out the description um, is a really great place to start. And then just diving in head first. Mm-hmm. I love that you said listening to panels. I think that was one of the things that helped me figure out my number. The best was hearing real life examples mm-hmm. of how these core um, values and fears and, and everything, how they play out in the real in real life. And yeah. not just like a, a, a well put together sentence, you know, so yeah. that definitely helped me in my own journey that I'm still very much on. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know if the journey ever ends or if you ever get right. close to the finish line. I think it's like right. ongoing. No, I feel like, cause like, um, you know, reading, reading my core emotion, like it's anger. I'm like, I'm not angry. Like I'm yeah. the most chill person, you know, but then I hear people talking about how, like what that looks for them. And I'm like, Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So can we, I, I love that, that you use the Enneagram in the classroom. So mm-hmm. I am super excited to talk with you about this more, but um, can we go through each number and maybe how you might see that in the classroom? Yeah, totally. Um it's so crazy. Like, it's so fun um, to see it and to, to study it and to read the book, but then to like yeah. want to transform. Um, and so like, I can kind of give you a general example of what a healthy version and a non-healthy version would be. Um, okay, so a one is called the perfectionist. I like to say the reformer because I think it has a more positive connotation. Yeah. Um, so like a healthy one in the classroom, a healthy one teacher would maybe look like someone who like plans out their lessons ahead of time. Um, they're like on par if the district has a pacing guide, their room is structured, but they like also allow a little bit of flexibility when the content or the delivery allows it to give their their kids a sense of like autonomy. Um, and they just kind of like have the best interest. But like an unhealthy one would kind of look like someone who is a little too organized, someone a little too structured. So they can come off as like judgmental or critical um, the vibe is a little rigid. And so kids might like call them too strict. So, sure. um, so these would be the ones that if like they're deviating from the structure or something happens to like a fire drill or an unplanned, like 
yeah. assembly or something. Yeah. Like, it would drive Any, them crazy. Yeah, a little kink in that plan, like, because things have to be, like, black and white, you know, in their mind. is, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and right. I think that's important for people to know, too, is that there's no wrong in the Enneagram. Like, whoever you are, it's who you are. No number is better than the other. Um, but there are definitely things for each number that throws people off their game. And for ones mm-hmm. and sixes um, at times, it's those hiccups. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you want me to go through each number? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. All right. So a two is called um, the helper or the giver. So a healthy two uh, would be kind of someone who is like super warm and has that vibe. They like have their room has that vibe. Like kids want to be there. It's, it's just chill. Uh, they're the safe place for students. It's probably a pretty collaborative learning environment. So they do a lot of partner work and group work and things like that. Um, because they want they want like cohesiveness among their students an unhealthy two would be someone who's maybe like a little too friendly with their students uh they might be a, a little worried about you know what others think of them or you know if this one's bad at them they want their kids to like them those kind of things uh so they're like the boundaries of the structure there might be a little bit lacking um whether it's with students or colleagues and they could be kind of like taken advantage of and then be vic- like play victim because yeah. of it sure so um the three is called the achiever so they're the go-getters um this would be someone who's pretty effective in achieving their goals and like working towards the purpose and teaching their student whether that's like i don't know every district calls them different things the driving question or essential question or you know whatever yeah. whatever the lesson target is you know they're pretty much like they know they're going to hit it they're going to push their students to hit it um, and so like a go, go, go kind of classroom in a good way. But like an unhealthy three, they would be too worried about staying up to pace. They'd be too worried about achieving those goals um, and worried about what the kids and their colleagues think of them if they don't achieve the goals and, you know, whatever the standard is at the time. Um, and so they might not attempt to have relationships with their kiddos. They might just be like kind of laser focused on the on the finish line. So it would be like all work and no play. Sure. Um, a four is called the individualist. A healthy four would be someone who kind of applauds individuality. Um, and their rooms like a place where students don't feel pressure to be anything but themselves. They can just be super authentic in that. Uh, so they typically have like great relationships with their students and can be a really good mentor in a healthy state. But in an unhealthy state, they can become too much of like a, of a counselor, you know, kind of stepping into a different role or the kid's best friend. Um, Instead of like the mentor, so they can allow students too much room for that individuality. So they're a little less effective in their content area um, because they're kind of just letting everyone do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a five is called the investigator. And so a, a healthy five in the classroom would probably be a teacher who's like super knowledgeable about what they're doing, their content. They do their due diligence if they don't, you know, if they're put in that situation to teach something new or different. Uh, so that way they can like effectively deliver a good lesson and good information. And because they value knowledge so highly, they're also most likely going to try to instill that in their students and like try to show their students the importance of learning, whatever it is they're learning. Mm-hmm. Whereas an unhealthy five would be someone who doesn't like apply much effort. Um, whenever they whenever they get to that not so good state, they can shut down and like kind of keep others out. And so they're not going to necessarily turn their back on their students. But it would just be like their minimum effort. You wouldn't you wouldn't see the full of them because kind of their dedication is a little gone. 
Um, a six is called the loyalist. And a healthy six would be a teacher who is like well-planned and organized. They have a plan when students finish early, if they don't finish, um, which kiddos need remediation, if they need extra scaffold, like you name it. They kind of have all the things aligned. <laughs> um, but an unhealthy six would be someone who maybe worries a little too much or they're overly concerned that their students won't do well on the test or the exam. Um, and then it, it impacts the way that they deliver the content or the the tone that they have with their students because of uh, sometimes in sixes, a lot of anxiety plays out. And so it could really just impact that classroom culture there. And a seven is the enthusiast. They're the fun one. Um, <laughs> so a healthy seven in the classroom would be someone who is uh, like super enthusiastic and like their differentiation game is pretty much on point because they love to do, do, do like all the fun stuff. Uh, they have really high energy and they're, they have like a, a mentality of work hard, play hard. You know, it's, they're just going to kind of mix the fun in, in together. But an unhealthy seven would be a little too scattered because of it, because they have all these ideas. They can't really like narrow down and focus on that driving question or on the essential question, whatever it is that you call it. Um, and so then like the planning can get behind. Maybe they're a little unorganized and that sort. So standards kind of drop and then like the effectiveness of the classroom kind of drops as well. And eight is called the challenger. Um, so a healthy eight in the classroom could look like someone who leads their classroom by example. They are like firm in their rules and expectations, um, but their kids know their why, right? The kids like see that they care and that's why they are the way they are. It's not in a rude kind of way. They um, they like know that their heart is in the right place. And so they can still have that like camaraderie between the two sides, the students and the teacher. Whereas an unhealthy would be a little too domineering. Um, they would be more like dictatorish in the classroom, not necessarily like we're all in this together kind of vibe. Um, and so like they wouldn't necessarily try to build relationships there because it would be like their way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And then the last is a nine, which is a peacemaker. And so a healthy nine in the classroom. Um, they kind of have like this warm ambiance, like a kind of chill, peaceful environment because they don't want to involve or engage in any conflict. So they're good at making each kid feel like seen or heard or colleague feel seen or heard because they can merge um, and just kind of keep the level, the playing field level. They can empathize. Um, and usually relationships and culture are good in nines classrooms because of that, because they help kids empathize with others. But an unhealthy nine if they're just, um, they just want to involve, uh, what is it called? Sorry. They want to just stay away from conflict altogether and they just want to ignore it. That could lead to like a lack of structure, a lack of classroom management, um, just too many issues going on there because they don't necessarily want to deal with it. Or they just, you know, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it until that kid blows up and then you've got a big disruption. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So, we have these healthy and unhealthy versions. How can we kind of, as a teacher, recognize when we're starting to be that unhealthy version of ourselves in that number? Yeah, um, it's hard, you know, because yeah. life's hard. I, I feel like as teachers, we wear so many hats. Um, and my mm -hmm. hat's like responsibilities and things that you juggle, whether it's at school or at home, you know, because a lot of us are parents or involved in other things. And so um, I think just kind of keeping a gauge on yourself and learning about yourself, your primary number. So like I'm a nine, learning about what a nine looks like on an average day or a typical day is great because that's kind of, that's kind of my middle ground. That's where I stay. 
Um, but learning about the number I moved to in stress, which is a three, which is a six, um, I'm able to see like when those qualities come up. So um, at, at, on your move to stress, you take on the worst qualities of that number. And so for me, what that I've realized what that looks like is like literal like is anxiety. And I've never, I've not, I don't normally deal with anxiety, but I know it's immediate worst case scenario. My heart is pounding. Like my head is like racing and I have to realize, and it's almost like a conversation in my head. Like, this is what you're experiencing. This is why let's be logical, you know, and kind of talk myself out of it. So I think learning about you and uh, your primary number, but then learning about the number that you move to in stress is a really good way to recognize, like first recognize what's happening. So that way you can then begin steps of coping and pulling yourself out of it, um, which could be good in like learning your success number. So just like you move to a number in stress, you move to a number in success. And so learning what that looks like for you. So for example, like as a piece number nine, like I said, I moved to a six. And so I don't like conflict. When something happens, honestly, it usually comes up with like my family or my kids just specifically. Mm-hmm. That's when, or if I think I did something wrong, because I don't ever want to be wrong. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I just want to do the right thing all the time and make right. everyone happy. Um, and so like when that starts triggering and I like, I can feel myself spiraling down mentally, I have to like pull myself out of it or I know it's going to be hard. Um, and a three is the achiever. That's what I moved to in success. And so I literally know can and name the feeling now when I start getting things done, I'm like, like ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like it me good. up. It yeah. feels so good. And so I've started like when I recognize it, having those conversations in my head and then saying like, okay, how can I problem solve this? And I write a list of just like all the things that I need to do or things that like can get off my mind. And I start with the smallest things first, because if I can achieve a few small things, like it gets me going and it pulls me out of it. So I think like learning for each person, you know, what that is for them is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how can the Enneagram be helpful in the classroom, like in regards to your students and maybe relationships with them or even like um, in your way of teaching or differentiating or I don't know if there's any I feel like there's just a myriad of ways you could take the Enneagram and looking at it's so kiddos. powerful you're yeah. right no you're, it is like I feel like if we're talking about um the kiddo aspect of it you know like students in your mm-hmm. classroom we um, as a co whether you're a teacher or a coach like you know that not every student receives things the same way just like not every adult receives things the same way and so um, having a foundation of the Enneagram and knowing all the numbers, not even if it's just a little bit of every number, um, it allows you to kind of like see your students through a different lens. And so you've got this kiddo um, who's always on his computer with his AirPods or headphones in. And even if you're teaching, like they like flip one up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In middle school, they, they do that. I'm like, no, 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 take it off. Um, right, but right. they would rather be on the computer by themselves. Like I have a kid who just wants to create music. Like he's got his own little thing on there and he's just trying to make his own beats. And um, just recognizing that he's not he's not necessarily doing that because he doesn't want to be there or because he doesn't like you. It might just because be because he is a five or a four on the Enneagram, an individualist or an investigator. And he's just so honed in and would rather be by himself and do his own thing while also listening and getting the information, you know, or the kid who always like has to raise their hand and add a comment to the question or, you know, ask another question or whatever. 
And it's like, instead of getting annoyed by that student, seeing that that student could be a three, an achiever who just wants to, you know, add in or someone who's a seven and they're just really excited about what you're worried about or learning about or someone who's an eight and they just want to help lead, you know, and they want to step into that role too and take on those responsibilities um, at a young age. So it just kind of allows you to see them in a different lens. Um, But also like when it comes to partner talk and grouping and things like that, um, I think it's, you know, not just behavior or not just off of your, you know, test data scores and stuff, looking at personalities and how they interact with one another. Should you put like one of the things I do with my business um, right out the gate is I have all educators take, you know, when I'm working with my school, I have all the educators take the Enneagram test and they fill out a form to let me know. And on the first day in training, um, they have usually have absolutely no idea what the Enneagram is. So the numbers mean yeah. absolutely nothing to them. And so I just say like, all right, you know, here's who I am, blah, blah, blah. All right, we're going to be doing a lot of moving. So hang tight. And here's your first group. And I put the groups on the board and they've got to move around and they do an activity. And then I'm like, okay, do this quick reflection. Like, all right, here's your second group and move them around and they get a new group. And one group is always a number with mixed enneagrams. And the second group is always a number with like numbers. And um, it's usually a split house when I ask them at the end, which do you prefer? Because some people really like working with people like them. You're like, I'm a nine. I want to all, and so funny, all the co-teachers in my office, there's five of us. We're all nine. And oh, it really? is like, yes, it's crazy. Wow. It's like, it's like freaking harmony up in there all the time. Yeah. I love it. I drive off of it. I don't <laughs> have to worry. But then there are other people who don't like to work with people like them, you know? So even mm-hmm. taking that into consideration when you're grouping kiddos or you're planning projects or debates or whatever, you know, pairing strengths and weaknesses or, you know, grouping people together to really see what role they take on. And that is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can flip it, you know, as a teacher and look at, um, I say the biggest things for the Enneagram in your classroom is your structure and organization, everything down from like, grading papers and where you put them to your rules and expectations and where your desk layout, like all of that is attributed to your Enneagram number. How often you change your desk. I've got one of I call her my work wife. She, um, every time she's stressed, she changes her room. And so I'll walk in yeah. and she's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> you know, so like all of that plays a part in your relationships, your classroom energy, and just the vibe that you give off with your kids. Like all of that goes with your Enneagram number. So like learning, what that typically looks like for you um, and saying, what area is my shadow side? Because we all have a shadow side, you know, it's like, what area is our shadow side and how do I make that better to be, become a more effective teacher? Like that's just a gold mine to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, for our listeners, the thing um, that I'm sure you don't do is try to type your students. Oh no. Right. No. Like, I think in my research that's come up so many times, like we can use it to inform our decisions and, mm-hmm. and help us um, plan and think through and empathize. Um, but, but not say like, Oh, this student's a five and here's why. <laughs> right. And, and even to say like, don't for yourself too, you know, for even us as adults, don't just say, Oh, well, I'm a, like, I'm a nine. So I hate conflict. So I'm never going to engage in conflict. You know, it's not your scapegoat. It's not the, it's the opposite of the Enneagram. You know, you don't want to confine yourself to the box because it wants you to be a little bit of everything. And so I've even done some work with, um, there's a leadership class in Florida I've worked with. And then we have a course here called Pals in Texas. 
and um, the teachers just had them do a more student-friendly version of the Enneagram where I went in and talked with them about it. Um, So I know some teachers do like the color test, you know, and they put like the stickies of colors on their desk to know like how their student handles, um, like if they were to get in trouble or feedback or whatever Mm -hmm. you have. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, at the beginning of the year when you're doing all those intros, that could be even something that you incorporate there um, to just kind of have as a tool and to teach, especially like middle school and high school kids. Um, elementary school, I'd probably steer away, but you know, the older yeah, kiddos are still making those babies. core yeah. memories and still trying to figure out who they are. Not that we aren't all still trying to figure out who we are, but right. <laughs> our elementary a little more are still merging a little bit and yes. not quite to that individual part yeah. of development necessarily I would say I would say like over 13 yeah really that into that sense. upper seventh eighth grade um they're not concrete in who they are but they could answer right. things truthfully for themselves I think mm-hmm. it's a little more and it's all yeah. about rapport too you know like giving your kids like hey this is what we're going to do and like here's why I think that's so important you know and always being yeah. purposeful in what you're doing um and then you've got some people who take it serious and some people who don't just like adults. Right. Um, <laughs> so just got to do the best of what you got. All right. So we um, talked beforehand. So I know that you're a mom as well. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you use this tool in motherhood or, or even as a spouse? How do you, how do you use the Enneagram? I feel like as a spouse is a lot easier. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah, I um I made sure I had a really good grasp of myself and where I was um before having my husband take it. Uh, but I did. I mean, it was only a couple months because I was like became obsessed real quick. Sure. And so I had him take it. And honestly, it's such a good foundational tool for that relationship as well. So like he's in school. He went into the military right after college, and so or right after high school. So he's in mm-hmm. school. Um, and shortly after I had taken it. I'm like, I like people to check on me. I've learned that that's kind of like a nine thing. Like I want to be like, Hey, how's it going? I can like show them all my work and they can like applaud me. It's it's crazy. I know. And so I would just go at the time we were, uh, we had just had our last daughter. And so we didn't have an office inside. It was in the garage. And so he would just go out in the garage and do his work at a desk. And so I'd go out there and be like, Hey, how's it going? And he'd be like, fine. Or sometimes he'd just like put his headphones (laughs) on. And finally he was like, can you please stop? And I was like, Why? He was like, I just feel like you think I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, that is the complete opposite of what's happening. Like, I just wanted to you to think that, like, I wanted you to know that I was thinking about you. And, like, I just want to check in and see how you're doing. And so I, like, started listening to more seven po- uh, panels. And right. it's, like, total micromanagement. They mm. He felt the restriction. So I've learned so much that, like, sevens don't want redundancy and they don't want restriction. And so I'm, like, a routine kind of person. Like, I want... I want strict routine and he is complete opposite. So we Mm -hmm. definitely have to do things like during the week that just kind of throw things off a little bit. So that way he doesn't get in that repetition and the mundane kind of mentality. Um, But I've also had to realize like he is a, so he's a seven, he's the enthusiast, a super like happy, fun one. And Mm -hmm. I've had to like remind myself, like that doesn't mean you can't be the fun parent, you know, or that doesn't mean (laughs) that when he's not having a good day that you have to have a bad day. And so Um, it's a lot of good conversation there um, as far as like kind of validation, but also like, okay, this is why things are the way they are now. Like what can we do to help it and make it better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's good. Right. 
so as far as motherhood goes, your kids are still pretty little, right? Yeah, they're little. Yeah, they're uh, five, three, and two. But I will say I I try not to type people because that's a big no-no. That's mm-hmm. really hard for me um, oh, because I, I can use I agree. It. It's always going on in my head. Always. Yeah. And yeah. so my my oldest is she just turned five. Um, so I my my thing in my head is like I don't want them to be this way or I don't want them to feel like that. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I more so try to use it to kind of keep them balanced. So yeah. she is um I hate to say this out loud. She's like the typical oldest child type A personality very logistical, like things like have to make sense. It's black and white most of the time. Um, super creative, like in her drawing and stuff. But when it's all you did this or you did that. And so I think of like a one or an eight or sometimes a three that even kind of pops out. And I and I try to use either myself, my husband or like my other kids to like show the balance of the counteract. So like my son is the opposite in the sense that He's, he has the biggest imagination. I mean, he could play with dinos, superheroes, Barbies, a toothpick. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, he can make say, Like, it's crazy. And my so, son. He's walking around with, like, a square of tissue, like, toilet paper. <laughs> and he's coming up with this fantastic story. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, and there's, like, dialogue and everything. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so great. And so I, what I, when I was talking to my mom about it, like, they're almost two years apart. Um, I'm like, she doesn't do that. And she's like, well, you've never taught her to do that. But like, I didn't teach my son either. It was just something that he na- was naturally gifted with. And so what I've been working on now is sit, like spending time with the two of them or with my youngest, you know, all three of us or four of us total. And just like, hey, Elliot, will you lead us? Like what games, like, what do you want to play? What can we each play with, you know, and let him kind of bring us through the imagination piece um, to kind of provide her that model, you know, like the whole model for it. Uh, and then like my youngest, she's almost, she's two and a half. And so that's a little spicy anyways, but she's a brute. Like, like yeah. I try not to think that she's going to be an eight, but she's the kid that you're like, don't do it. And she's like, got Ooh, her finger I'm real close. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so I, ha- but she doesn't like consequences. She does not, it doesn't matter if we just like fuss at her. She like cries immediately, oh, um, yeah. which is, yeah, really sad, but I've learned that, you know, Dying into that nine wing. Yes. That you know, I can conflict. Be, right. I can be over empathetic. I can be like, oh, well, she's just little. And so I've realized with her, I have to be a little more firm than the other two mm-hmm. because she is going to push that boundary. And sometimes mm-hmm. with the other two, because I can have that like logical conversation with them, like, Hey, let's not do that. Blah, blah, blah. She, she like she doesn't care you know she's yeah. gonna she's gonna push anyways and so I have to like stand my ground even if I don't want to engage in that because I'm tired um just mm-hmm. saying like it's something you got to do yeah I love that you bring that up it's something I've thought about for years and years like it started off being uh, I'm the oldest of five and it's like how can five different kids with the same parenting, same parents turn out so wildly so different. different. And then I had my own children. Yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to be two different parents. Like essentially, literally, I, I, I have to, my, my prayer every day is like, help me be the parent that each of them need, need. not the yeah. parent that I wanted or thought I needed, yeah. not the parent that you know, I can't parent my three-year-old. Oh, 
you just turned four. I can't <laughs> parent my four-year-old the same way I would parent my eight-year-old. Like, yeah. it just doesn't work. No, and I, I think knowing all of the Enneagram um, numbers and motivations would really help, I think, in just figuring out how to try different parenting styles even to see which style works like you're talking yeah. about and how how to parent differently based on what they need and exploring that yeah it's um, it's hard like and I'm with you I didn't understand it either because my sister and I are just shy of two years apart and I'm a nine a peacemaker and she's an eight she's a challenger and <laughs> we just like we just did not jive yeah. and I'm just like why are you like this and she's like why are you like this and right. now that we're adults like it's fine you know once I left for college right. it was great and now that I, I have this I'm like this makes so much sense but right. you're right like it's it is like the way you talk to them the way you handle different situations and it's it all is so complex mm-hmm. yeah so I don't want to keep you too long so um I, before my last question, did anything kind of pop up to you as we were talking that you really think our um, teacher moms should know about the Enneagram or anything you wanted to mention? Um, I, I feel like just understanding that it's not like every other personality system out there, you know, to see like the, the value in it for yourself personally for all of your relationships, whether it be with work, at home, with your kids, um, to see like how it affects your just everyday, day-to-day, moment-to-moment life. Mm-hmm. It's just it's seeing that value so that way you take the time to invest in yourself. That's kind of what I see it as. You know, it's a personal growth tool. It's just you investing time in yourself. And as a mom and a teacher, like that is really hard to do. And it's really hard to cave out mm-hmm. that time, just finding ways to kind of take care of yourself in that way. Um, because I struggled with it for a long time. There there were probably about two years where um, we had just got married. I found out I was pregnant. My husband got deployed. He came back. I had my kid. Mm-hmm. You know, we had our daughter. A year later, our house was destroyed by a hurricane. Um, oh, we, had, we had been planning for our son. We stopped that because of the, losing our home and being like mm-hmm. displaced found out I was pregnant, you know, <laughs> paid two mortgages for a year. So like literally it found out I was pregnant again. Like it was a mess. And like life just happens to us and it's just, yeah. it's scary and you lose yourself as a mom. And I feel like this got me back to where I am. Like this got me back on the, this path that I think God was leading me to the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. And so just knowing that like, you're not alone and things are hard. But like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know, and just finding time, whether you're listening to the podcast in the car, or if you're just going for a 10 minute walk, just finding that time for yourself and seeing this as an investment. So you actually use that time. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're listening to a podcast, I know we both highly recommend the Jen Hatmaker for the love of the Enneagram. Yeah. What about two two or three years ago now? Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Oh, it's a great, great series. So um, last question here. Um, we know you have some some programs that you offer to school districts. So can you tell us a bit about those and how um, people can get a hold of you, see if it would be a good fit to bring you into their school? Yeah, totally. So um, I have a, a lot, of, I have three different things right now that I'm kind of working on. The first is 
an educator Enneagram guide. And so this is that uh, something that a district or an admin team could purchase for all of their school staff. Um, so I do like up to 100, 100 people per school. So I have um, like one of the schools I'm working with in Florida, everyone in their guidance department, their attendance, you know, all the things, all the all the people. Um, and basically, I just kind of trained them using a curriculum that I've written using the Enneagram and things that we see as educators to kind of help us improve. Um, it's they're mostly in the form of online modules. And then there's varying in person sessions and video sessions to kind of follow up to give them that reflection piece and teaching piece. So what I'm what I'm telling you guys can all be found on my website, um, www.growingbeyondthebooks.com. So they, that has four different plans. I also just rolled out my admin plan. So it's uh, for administrators or uh, leadership teams at schools. That could be a school level, a district level. Um, I'm speaking with a district now where it would be all the admins from the district that would come, you know, together collectively. And so um, basically this is just targeted for those leaders. And so the program looks a little different. They're mostly um, either in-person sessions or video training sessions uh, with a Zoom option. I also have a book that I'll be incorporating um, is about teacher appreciation and just kind of throwing in all of these Enneagram terms, but also things like vulnerability and trust and communication that all play a part of Enneagram numbers, but also leadership, you know, and how to mm -hmm. make your leadership more effective uh, for different people. Sure. And then uh, the last thing I'm, I'm kind of excited to announce that is still in the woodworks is um, an individual teacher workbook. So okay. I've taken six of my six of my big sessions that I use for schools. Um, and I've made it into a self-paced like workbook for teachers. So they'll be able to get on my website. Um, it'll take them to Amazon and they'll just buy, I think it's like 56 pages of like curriculum, six sessions, research-based strategies, a ton, a ton, a ton of information um, in the front with reflection pieces and challenges. And then at the end, uh, just additional note space or journaling space for their thoughts and kind of where they are. But just to guide them through, you know, if your district doesn't want to put up the money because some of them right. don't have it, you know, or whatever, you can get on board and be like, look at how good this stuff is. You know, <laughs> and, then, and then you can share it for me and be on my marketing yeah. team. Um, and so That's anyway, so I'm so excited. Yes, that will be coming uh, in March. I'm, I'm okay. shooting for the end of March. Um, okay. But I have tons of social handles. My most active one is Instagram. Um, and I think I'm like GBTV, GBTV there. Yeah. Um, okay. So growing beyond the books. Awesome. If you go to my website, um, I've got a link tree that has all my socials and stuff. So. Sure. Well, that's awesome. And I'll make sure all of those links are in our show notes for the episode. So um, oh, cool. if you're listening, you can, you can go to the show notes. So um, let's see, do you have just like five more minutes and we can do our rapid final questions? Yes. I'd love it. Okay. So first, what are you grateful for in this season of your life? Mm -hmm. I think um, right now it is God's word um, and just the opportunities that he's providing for me and my family, um, a supportive husband, because that's definitely needed in just what we're doing right now uh, and healthy kids, because I feel like there was a long time where my kids, one of them was always sick. And so mm -hmm. knock on wood. Praise the Lord. No one's sick. So, right. Ashley and I are kind of going through that right now. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not trying to rub in. <laughs> My daughter is finally going back to school tomorrow. So, I am oh, man. excited for that. It's been yeah, a bet. long week, but that's hard. It is, but I'm 
on the flip side, I'm working from home right now. I'm a stay-at-home mom currently. And so I'm grateful that I don't have to create sub plans or, yeah. you know, try and figure out a sub for me. Yeah. <laughs> I can just be like, okay, be. I'm, I'm already home. It's okay. There's no stress. And just be present. And I can be with you. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what book are you reading or maybe a podcast um, that you're listening to right now that you're really enjoying? So I'm reading or it's an audiobook um, because mm-hmm. I that's all I have time for. But um, yeah. it's called Leaders Eat Last by Simon oh. Sinek. Okay. Super good. It's like an eight hour book. Um, uh-huh. But the content in it is just unbelievable. And so I've actually gotten a lot of ideas there to kind of incorporate in my leadership uh, program that I've written. And so anywho, it's just it's good, good knowledge, things that I've never thought about. Huh. I'll have to check it out. I love books like that. And eight hours, that is not a hard commitment for an audiobook. No, no. And yeah. a little longer than some of the, like the last one I read, I think it was like four. And so oh, wow. when I like comparing the sure. two, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. But it's so good. It's so good. It doesn't seem like it. Oh, awesome. I'll check it out. What is a daily routine or something that you do to take care of your mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual self that you're really proud of? Um. So a few things. If I can do all these things on one day, I'm like firing on all cylinders. So mm-hmm. um, I mostly listen to Christian music. And so uh, listening to that before I get into work and then after work to kind of decompress mm-hmm. is really good before I get home. Uh, just kind of improves my mindset because usually the days end pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being able to go to the gym in the morning. Doesn't happen all the time because I just have to, I just have to balance, you know, if I've got too much for my, for my business, like I just have to kind of put that as a priority, but the morning so I can get to go to the gym. That's a really great day. Um, but something I do every night is I, I'm a like quality time is my love language. And mm-hmm. so just unplugging with my kids and, and my husband before we go to bed, whether it's reading a book or playing or dancing, whatever, whatever it may be, yeah. just really being present with them. Um, it's just a great, it's, it's how I prefer to end my nights. It's fantastic. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Well, and thank you so people. much. No, thank, thank you so you. much for joining us and, if you haven't already, email me those uh, links to your website and your. Um, I'll do that. I'll do. I'll do that. And I can grab the link to your Instagram. Um, I'll make sure those end up in the show notes. Awesome! Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you. It's so really nice to meet you. It was nice to meet yeah. you too. This is so much better than just engaging on Instagram. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, well you, have a great evening. You too. I hope your little one does good tomorrow. I think she will. She'll be good. Good deal. All right. Bye. Bye.